This is Software Defined Survival, where we explore how software-defined systems are changing the business of AVIT. Today on Software Defined Survival. Uh, in Infocom, we'll be announcing the official release of uh, 10-inch display with uh, surface haptics, where you can actually feel things uh, on glass. Um, you can get you know, touch panels from them. It, they have basically two, two problems. One is they're very expensive, and the other thing is they only work within, within their ecosystem. Okay, quick update on Catch Connect. Before we get started, we've added some pretty interesting features, and I hope you get a chance to try them out sometime. You can now integrate Slack and Ops Genie with any AV system. So if your support team monitors a Slack channel, when a device goes offline or online or a particular message is received, that could get posted right to a Slack channel and everybody who's monitoring that channel will be able to see it. Pretty interesting. Same idea with Ops Genie. We had a customer whose IT team uses Ops Genie to manage their support tickets and trouble tickets. So now the AV system can open a support ticket right to Ops Genie and then they can manage it in that environment because that's what they use. Another feature I'm really excited about is charts. Sure, there's lots of uh, management systems out there that attempt to solve this problem of giving you insight into how your AV systems are actually being used. But in my experience, they're a very heavy lift. They're very difficult to get set up. Uh, they take a lot of time. So we wanted to address that challenge and just make it really easy to make a chart based on any message sent or received from any device in your system. You select a message and a time range and that's it. And then you get a chart for how many times that message was sent or received in that time frame. Really simple way to get insight into how your systems are being used. And then you could take action on that and really improve your systems or make data-based decisions. And the final feature I'd like to talk about today is AV status pages. And this is a really unique idea where it's a website that anybody could browse to and see the status of your AV system. So you get your own domain, mycompany.avstatuspage.com. And when you browse there, you could see what the status is of room one, room two, room three, or device one, two, or three, whatever you like. And this is just a really simple way, instead of having a full-blown management dashboard, just kind of an executive summary of what the status of the AV systems are. So please feel free to check it out. Every system starts with a free trial. You could run it on any old laptop, Windows, Mac, or Linux. Of course, we have our builds for Raspberry Pi that have IoT features where we can actually push updates to the host in case a vulnerability is ever discovered, a unique thing in the AV industry, moving more towards an IoT type of an integration. Just go to catchtechnologies.com and under resources, you'll find all the tutorials to get you started. All right, looking forward to hearing your feedback on those new features and on with the interview. Welcome to Software Defined Survival. Today's guest has a varied background, and he's currently working on something that is very much in the AV space, and that's touchscreens. Please welcome from MIMO Monitors, David Anderson. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for time, taking the time to talk to us today. I like to start with hearing about the origin story. So please tell us a bit about your background and how you wound up in the AV business. 
Yeah. So uh, I actually didn't start in the AV business. Uh, my background is engineering. Um, so like lots of engineers, I uh, took my first job actually in the semiconductor industry um, as an engineer. And I, you know, kind of stayed in that arc uh, for a long time. Um, somewhere along the way, hard to say exactly what day that was, I decided uh, I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And, uh, and so like a lot of entrepreneurs who are trying to bootstrap their way into it, um, did some things on the side while I was working for somebody else. And then, you know, eventually, uh, moved out, uh, on my own. And, uh, um, and, and my first sort of, uh, entrepreneurial things were related to what I was doing within semiconductors. And, and at some point, um, I started, um, buying uh, businesses that uh, you know had already been started by 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 somebody else, and so that's how I came across um, Mimo, and uh, and it was a business that was for sale, and uh, you know, long story short, I purchased it at the end of uh, 2013, and uh, and that's how you know that's how my origin story within within AV. So what were some of the things when you were evaluating this company and obviously evaluating the industry surrounding their products, what were some things that you looked at that got your attention and what were some of your concerns too? Well, so um, uh, I, I, the thing about uh, Mimo that, that honestly caught my eye was, you know, a few things not specifically related to um, to business yet, but you know, find a business that could benefit from my own background, right? So uh, I'm an engineer, entrepreneur, spent a lot of my time in marketing. So, you know, is there a technology business out there that um, <clears throat> seems to have a strong product but is missing, you know, those core capabilities? Uh, and Mimo fit that, fit that bill. Um, but more importantly, what I uh, learned uh, about Mimo is no one was really kind of addressing the space. So Mimo, uh, for those of you who don't know, which is probably most everybody, actually stands for Mini Monitor. Uh, that's where the name comes from. Um, so that we are focused on um, we are focused on a niche in the display industry. You know, if you if you think of the display industry, you got you know billboards, of course. Then you got the big screens, the LGs and Samsungs of the world. Um, you've got desktop size things, uh, ViewSonic and others. Um, although we do make some stuff in desktop, uh, our, our ones that are that size are intended for kiosks, not for people's desks. Um, and then uh, we slot in mostly um, below that. So, you know, 21 inches and below. And if you look at the industry, while there's some people who make stuff in that space, um, there's really, especially then in 2013, there was no one that focused solely in that area. Um, and, and I've kind of found that was interesting because, you know, there's a consumer, uh, part of the business, uh, you know, iPads and Android tablets and stuff like that in that space, but there's nothing, there was nothing commercially available, uh, that, that really fit that bill. That's pretty interesting. So 
Um, I really like the way you talked about um, how it has to do with your skills. So when you're looking for a business, it's not just, is it a great business? It's what can I bring to the table to really um, make this something else to kind of turbocharge it. So, and then of course, looking at the industry, you saw this niche in the display industry. What was it that you intended the, um, what, what application do you think was missing? Obviously screen size and form factor, but what were the applications that you thought this space could could use a product like this for? Um, if you look at the call it uh, you know commercial space uh, at, as it relates to touch panels, I mean um, the way people were either you know at the beginning stages. Now, of course, this is 2013, so the iPad hadn't really taken over the world yet. Um, but if you looked at what people were doing for touch panels, it was, you know, iPads or other consumer tablets, or you have the, you know, Crestron AMX guys who make their own um, panels. Um, and I, you know, I looked at it and saw that I felt like there was a standards based way to solve that problem. Um, you know, nothing necessarily against an iPad. It's a good little toy, but it's, it's a consumer product, right? It isn't intended to be on all the time. The batteries don't want to be charged all the time. Um, they, uh, you know, the external form factor changes, um, you know, every year, uh, to get consumers to, to buy something new, the internal guts change every year. And that really doesn't work in the AV industry because most of the deployments, I mean, if they're large, most deployments take, you know, years, um, if not, you know, a year to plan plus a year or two to deploy. And by then you're on your third version of some iPad. It's really painful uh, for, uh, you know, for the AV engineers to be able to support. Um, and, uh, and then of course, and then the standards uh, based um, solution, I, you know, there, uh, if you look at what Crestron does, um, you can get, you know, touch panels from them. It, they have basically two, two problems. One is they're very expensive. And the other thing is you have to basically adopt, you know, everything Crestron does to be able to do them because um, they, they only work within, within their ecosystem. And I felt like there was <clears throat> really a need for, um, you know, a change to the way that things were done. Excellent. Thanks for that. So there you saw the space where there was a gap between consumer devices and proprietary. And it really was in, in our AV integration space where you saw a need for it. Um, and I'll just echo some of the things you said. When personally I started looking into iOS programming, it was really exciting, but it was also frustrating because it's not really the perfect device for AV integration. Um, when a customer has their own device and you could write an app, maybe there's an application there, but for a, a fixed installation, all those things you mentioned, the battery issues, just getting them into a mount, the changing product line, you never know what's going to happen next year. Um, it really isn't made for integration, these consumer devices. And then on the other end, uh, I really what, like the way you pointed out that if you want one of these um, integration type touch panels, and it's not just Crestron, Extron, AMX, all of them are very similar or the same in the way that it's proprietary, it costs more, and you're not just getting this piece of hardware, you're buying into the entire platform. So can we dig in a little more to that 
what, how would I go about deploying something to one of your devices? Do you have software tools to get us up and running? Or is that really, um, is it really just standards-based and open force? How, how does the technology work there? Well, so um, we try to be open and standards-based, just as you said. So um, most of the tools uh, are tools that um, everyone should already understand. And then what we do is we add some, you know, ancillary tools around the edges for things that uh, are not really offered as part of basic tools. Um, so let me put it, uh, you know, uh, one way. So we make, um, you know, we make display touched panels that are, um, uh, that are just a display. So they require some sort of computing behind it. Uh, you know, Windows uh, Nook or a, a Raspberry Pi or, you know, a Linux machine or something, right? They're, they're a monitor just like you put on your desk, except just smaller, right? Um, and in that case, once it's installed, you, you know, the, we have HDMI displays. That one's pretty, uh, pretty well understood by everyone. I'm sure that's on here. We also make displays that work over USB. Um, the advantage to that being the HDMI is still there for, uh, you know, whatever other connection, uh, you might want to, uh, you know, to other, to other displays. Um, but when, once the display is installed even over USB and installs to the operating system as just any other display. So when you're programming it or pushing content to it or looking for, uh, you know, touch responses from it or those kinds of things, it's just the standard APIs that, um, you know, Windows support or Linux support or, um, or Android or, you know, whatever your operating system is that you're, that you're working on. Um, so, you know, there's nothing unique in what it is that we do uh, from, from that perspective. Um, if you're looking at our Android um, solutions, I uh, call it a tablet, call it an all-in-one. Um, <laughs> we kind of use them synonymously. Um, it's, you know, when you when you, the AV engineer wants it completely open, um, and then he wants to close it down when he goes and deploys it, right? So uh, in that case, um, you know, it's, a, it's an open, unlocked uh, version of the operating system. Um, we offer our signing keys uh, to developers if they want to sign their applications so they can get to a lower level of hardware if they need to. Um, but then we ha we have um, software um, called Mimo Service, which kind of runs in the background so that it can be, you know, remotely managed. Um, we have MLock software, um, which helps to lock it down so that it's open when it's developed and then it's closed um, when it's deployed. Um, so those are the kind of um, tools that we use or that we develop on top of what it is that that we do. We try to stay out of the programming itself because you know the apis and everything should already you know be there for that and there's plenty of tools for you know developing touch applications i i can certainly echo that last part there's a uh, tons and tons of software out there from tiny companies like google that are now open source and have huge development communities uh there's no reason to reinvent the wheel there but thank you for clearing that up. That really gives me a, a handle on what your product line is like. So it sounds like there's two kind of branches to it, just a monitor and then an, a monitor with 
an Android operating system on it and some auxiliary stuff to help you deploy and manage the software that a developer may want to uh, develop for the device. So after you bought the company, what were, what were some of the initial challenges that, that you faced? Well, as I um, have, have done in the past with, with businesses uh, that I purchased, usually what it is, um, is I am focused on them for, you know, several months um, and till I can get them to a point where they can kind of, uh, well, I, I was going to say the words run themselves. That's not quite fair, but you get the idea where I don't have to be uh, involved full time. Um, that never happened uh, with Mimo. Um, and the reason why it never happened is, is, uh, <clears throat> is, actually, is honestly uh, a good thing um, because there was just so much opportunity. So, you know, rather than focus on, you know, kind of the challenges, it was, well, there's a whole lot of opportunity out there. So, you know, how do we, you know, how do we get ourselves to be able to, you know, be the name, right? Like, like any good brand, uh, um, you know, we, we want to make sure that, that when people think small displays, they think, they think of us, right? And that's, that's what we've been focused on. Um, and, and so, you know, that's kind of where we've been, that's kind of where we've been working is on the engineering, you know, the, there's a, when the company was purchased, it had a very small product line. Um, and, and now we kind of, uh, have, we, we, we really want to have a product, you know, on the shelf, ready to go for any need that anybody can think of. Right. So, uh, you know, you might be able to find a 10 inch display from other people. Um, but, uh, if you come to Mimo, honestly, I don't even know how many different variants we have, but probably 15, uh, different versions of a 10 inch touch panel, um, whether it be a display or a USB display or with touch or without touch or Android or what version of Android, or does it have POEs and cameras and, uh, um, you know, do we have uh, a version with HDMI capture built in for, for conference rooms, uh, and Infocom will be announcing the official release of a 10 inch display with, uh, surface haptics where you can actually feel things, uh, on glass. So, you know, the, the biggest challenge is, was to, you know, build out the, the product line so that, you know, we had something uh, off the shelf, um, pretty much ready to go for for any need we could think of. So I understand that uh, the goal you you want to be in as many places as you can. The niche is small monitors, but you talked a little bit about recognizing the opportunity. So you had these other companies that you could kind of get started, hire, put the right people in place, and they would just kind of run on their own. And there's this shift where you see a lot of opportunity in this small monitor space. Between there, I, I'd like you to talk a bit about how you identified the opportunities, what you expected them to be, if there were certain markets or uh, certain distribution channels, and then you know where we wound up today, where you actually have these different products that serve different applications. So you've got small screen digital signage, you have interactive kiosks, you have conference room uh, touch panels. 
was that the plan from the beginning or did that kind of develop over time? No, I mean, it, it developed over time and, and, and honestly, you know, just, I was not familiar with the AV industry, right? I'm, I'm an engineer. Um, I'm a technology guy. You know, I understood the product, but, um, but I can't, I can't say that in 2013, I really understood AV, hmm. uh, you know, generically. So, you know, the first, the first year or so was spent trying to figure out kind of the way things worked and how we could be successful. So, you know, when the, when Mimo was started, it was a direct um, business, right? It sold off its website, it sold off out of Amazon. And that's, you know, that was how it did its, its, its work. Um, You know, since then we've added, you know, distribution worldwide. So here in the U S you know, you can find us at, at, uh, at Ingram and Cynics and Blue Star and the other um, uh, Almo um, and you know other di- distributors that AV guys are are familiar with, um, you know added distribution in Asia. Uh, we're still working on our distribution in in Europe. We do have uh, a few smaller guys, um, but we're working on a you know a larger um, uh, a larger regional solution for. Uh, for Europe. Um, uh, so that was, you know, one of the key things that, that needed to be done. Um, and then the other thing that we, uh, kind of, uh, looked at was to, you know, develop solutions for, uh, you know, not necessarily the, um, you know, for companies that were looking to build products, uh, in, in large numbers. So, uh, if you're familiar with, uh, the AV industry, you've probably heard of, um, you know, Hangouts or Google Meet. Um, and you know, they are selling a conference room in a box. So the camera in their case, it's a Chrome box, but camera, Chrome box, speaker, mic, and a touch panel control where you plug it all together, connect it to the internet, um, you know, add your license key to, to, to Google and, and uh, you've got yourself a conference room uh, ready to go. Um, and we're the touch panel, you know, in Google's solution. Um, we're, I think that might be the only one that is officially public. So the only one I can talk about uh, but, but we're the touch panel in, in, in other solutions uh, as well. So that's kind of how we've, you know, evolved is get ourselves, um, a, a channel, a reseller channel, uh, as well as, um, you know, do, uh, ODM kind of arrangements with, uh, you know, large companies. And how has the adoption been with, say, your traditional AV integrator, somebody who had a focus on Crestron, Extron, AMX, or is this being integrated as an alternative or an option into their product lines, or are you meeting resistance? What's that experience been like? No, there's there's definitely definitely resistance there. Um, in the you know in the official uh, you know call it. Crestron AMX kind of sales channel. And, you know, I, I can't tell you exactly why. Um, but, uh, but I think it has, 
you know, some to do with familiarity, um, uh, you know, some to do with not wanting to um, upset the crestrons and extrons of the world. And then part of it, honestly, and, and I get, I get it is where a, and I honestly, I don't know what an integrator makes, but um, <laughs> let's just say it's 15% for, to, to make the math easy. Um, you know, if they're making uh, 15% on a thousand dollar touch panel, um, uh, that they're reselling, that's 150 bucks in their pocket. Whereas if they're making 15% on a, you know, $300 touch panel from Mimo, there's, there's a big difference there. Um, and, and so we've kind of focused, um, not that, not that we don't want a big, uh, AV reseller channel, but, but we've focused kind of, uh, a pull demand from the other side rather than trying to push it through the traditional AV channel. Um, I'm familiar with that problem. <laughs> so do you have any ideas on, on how to square that for an integrator? Because at some point it, it, it may have to happen, right? As, as education grows with technology owners, they may start questioning why am I paying so much more for something uh, that's that's standards based and open doesn't tie me into a platform looks pretty much the same and behaves the same has the same form factor so going down the road let's say that will happen maybe it will maybe it won't what are your thoughts on that and if it is inevitable do you have any advice for us on how to start adapting to that kind of a world well, I, honestly, I don't think the end customer has necessarily changed their desire. You know, the, the advantage to Crestron um, is that they're a one-stop shop, right? Um, you, if you're, you know, I don't just to use it generically, you're some Fortune 500 company that, that wants to build out um, their, you know, conference rooms, you can get in it, you can get involved with an AV integrator. Um, you can... Uh, uh, they can build out a conference room and it's, you know, been designed to work together um, and, and uh, you know, has all the kind of the pieces available and stuff like that. Um, when this industry kind of uh, first shifted in the direction away from that, um, it was, you can buy a touch panel here and some software there and a PC here and a camera there and a this and a that. Um, and, and honestly, while it all probably works fine, the end customer doesn't, they're, they're really not interested in, um, you know, purchasing that way. They, hmm. they have a conference room. They want a system in the conference room. That's what they're after. Right. Um, and so, what they want is, you know, what's generically called a, you know, conference room in a box. And, and I think that's kind of where the industry is going, right? We make hardware. We try to stay out of the software business. That's one of the reasons why, you know, earlier I talked about some of the tools that we make, but they're to, you know, kind of lock it down or things like that because there aren't, um, you know, companies that, that, that do that kind of stuff, but we don't make development software. We don't make digital signage software. We don't make, um, you know, touch panel control software because those are the alliances that we're, uh, that we try to make here at, at Mimo. So, you know, our, 
are we partner with um, with with digital signage companies and things like that, you can find some you know packages in distribution where uh, you you buy a package and it comes with all the pieces uh, that you need to, you know, deploy the hardware, the software, the licensing, um, even things like SD cards, if that's required, all that kind of stuff is all in one package um, that's been, you know, proven to work together. And, and, and I think that's kind of the, you know, at least the near term future is, you know, kind of more alliances within, within the industry. Yeah. So absolutely. The, the owners, they just want it to work and they, they want the experience at the end. They're not really concerned with the black boxes. Um, I always wondered if there was opportunity for integrators to kind of make their own platforms based on standards so that, you know, the argument is always there that anybody could change things and, and take care of the system, but it still opens and standard ba- because it's opens and standard based, but uh, an integrator could write their own software for these conference rooms in a box and then have a little more flexibility on the different products that they could integrate with their, with that system. So if next year a different camera comes out, um, it's kind of on their own terms that they get to select these different devices. And there are companies that, um, you know, kind of bring that together. So, um, you know, Utology is one of our partners and they're, and, and they're a good example of they, they kind of make software, which, and, and I'm going to insult what it is that they do. I don't mean this intentionally, but I'm just trying to make it simple. Um, you know, the universal remote of AV, right? So, um, and it's way more complicated than it's that. It's a bit but, more than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that it, it's kind of the way I try to make it uh, you know, you know, simple where you can have the user interface on a Mimo, um, so that you can control your, um, you know, control your AV room, but then you can choose the best components for what it is that you're doing. So you get kind of the, um, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you get the integrated, um, uh, you get the integrated experience, um, but you can do it with, the best possible um, components or the ones that fit your budget or wherever your, um, your particular focus is. Right. Yeah. And I, I personally really think that's the role that integrators should be playing and being beholden to one manufacturer makes that a little bit challenge, more challenging to do. Um, do you have any final thoughts for us on this subject? Well, there's an open-ended question. <laughs> Um, not so much necessarily final thoughts other than, um, you know, kind of what I had uh, said before is, um, you know, I got into MIMO because I found that there, you know, was a need, um, but it has become my full-time job because, um, you, you know, there's just so much opportunity out there. Um, and it has been growing, um, and growing very quickly. So, uh, and we have not seen, uh, you know, our business, you know, slow down at all. Um, whether it is, uh, well, our two largest verticals are corporate conference rooms followed closely by digital signage. And, um, you know, both those places are, are growing in leaps and bounds. And I think a lot of it has become, 
because the you know experience has gotten much less expensive to deploy whether it be hardware or software or you know support or maintenance or all the things that you have to be able to do um uh you know the costs have come down such that the volume is so much higher yeah that commoditization that consumerism in our professional market has come up several times on this show audio and video are expected uh, services in a building just like lighting and, and plumbing are nowadays. And that, that wasn't the case 20 years ago, but now it certainly is. So if anybody would like to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, um, so there's obviously um, multiple ways to get a hold of us. The easiest way to get a hold of us is on the web. Uh, so that it would be www.memomonitors.com. Uh, and then, of course, our uh, generic email addresses are info at memoonitors.com. That's always the best way. Excellent. David, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you. If you or anyone on your staff ever considered themselves just an AV programmer, join the club. That's how I used to feel. I was just an AMX programmer or just a Crestron programmer. Whatever language of your choice is... Whatever it may be, there's generally this feeling in AV that we're not capable of using modern programming languages, and it simply isn't true. Sure, there's a learning curve, but once you get through it, all other languages become easier to learn, and it just expands the amount of options you have when designing a system. It's not an either-or decision. You don't say, I won't be using these manufacturer tools anymore. It's just you have a broader palette to choose from. And here's what Mark Day, founder of Ideabox, had to say about his experience with the online courses at learnavprogramming.com. You know, Patrick, it's funny how the smallest things can sometimes be the start of really big ideas. Uh, before I took the learnavprogramming.com courses, I was in that proprietary I'm only a control system programmer kind of mindset, right? Uh, when it came to new technologies or current technologies like JavaScript or, or things like that, for some reason, I thought that was different from what I'm doing. And what taking your courses flipped for me was not so much what I learned technically taking the courses. It was the mindset of, oh, wait a second, I'm already doing 99% of what some of these most modern programmers are doing, I just have to learn, uh, you know, the other 1%. And that's really what I did. So it's really been kind of a big change after taking the course. Um, and I would really recommend this course to any integrator. Not only will it obviously help their skill set, but more importantly, it might change their whole mindset. Uh, which is more important and, and, and really show them new opportunities, open the door so they kind of see problems through a different lens. Uh, I got to tell you, one of the, the biggest changes for me was as soon as I taught myself HTML, CSS, JavaScript and saw the UIs that I can make with those technologies, I, I, I just couldn't sell a uh, Crestron touch panel again. Mark is a great example of somebody who takes new information and really applies it. I know that Mark still sells a lot of Crestron equipment, but for him, for his company, for his customers, for his business, he needed a better UI. He needed another option for a user interface, and modern programming allowed him to do that. So the question is, 
How can you use modern programming to improve your business? Please go to learnavprogramming.com and wherever you see a sign up button, go ahead and sign up and you'll get some free information to get a feel of my learning style and what kind of information is available. And of course, it would be an honor to have you enroll in one of our courses and help you upgrade your skills and take this industry to the next level. Thanks for listening to Software Defined Survival. I hope you found it useful and maybe it inspires you to try out something new this week. If you have any questions, go to softwaredefinedsurvival.com and click the appropriate button. I'd love to answer your questions on the air. And if you'd like to help spread the word, please subscribe, comment, and share it with your friends. Thanks.